another white boy with a podcast. Crypto, gym bro, another white boy with a podcast. Pronouns, hell no, another white boy with a podcast. Meal prep, sports bet, another white boy with a podcast. My dog once licked my balls. Do you want to see the video? It went viral. Chris Gauza here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we leverage the creepiness of the internet for both good and evil with the anthology sequel to Searching, Missing. Then we catch up with the latest from indie darling Noah Baumbach with his adaption of one of the great American literary satires, White Noise. We give you the big physical media releases, our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. Then we let you know which quirky gentlemen and manic pixie dream girls are worth checking out with our top five indie comedies. So let's kick this show off with a clip from Missing. Siri, call June. Mom, this is FaceTime. Oh, gosh. I need you to write a couple of things down. The car keys. I just said write it down. You're not writing it down. Kevin and I are headed to LAX, and we need you to pick us up on Monday. Keep your location on the entire time I'm away. No fun. Got it. Hi, this is Grace Allen. Please leave a message. Mom? Where are you guys? My mom never came home from her trip. I don't know where she is. She doesn't know where she is, Matt. Is she missing? That's the rumor. (laughs) Matt, what is missing? all about well um you pretty much heard it but essentially um uh june is uh home alone her mother grace and her new boyfriend kevin went on a little trip down to columbia and when june goes to pick them up at the airport they are not there uh she gets nowhere with law enforcement through jurisdictional reasons so she decides to try and hunt them down with the power of the internet and of course she signs up for more than what she bargained for. Ain't that always the way it goes? It is. We, I think it's safe to say, we both rather, I think we enjoyed uh, yeah, searching, right? We did. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a fun little, uh, interesting little thriller. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine, makes fine use of its time. Yeah. We'll say that. But I think one thing that would it established is that things are going to work out. Right. Things are going to work out. Right. So... Missing is, as you said, is the is a what? How'd you put it? It's a soul sequel. No, what? What's the term? Uh, uh, I've heard it as a spiritual sequel, but I've also sequel. I use the term anthology sequel because I heard that as well. I like that. Yeah. But since we've created and defined these parameters, Matt, let me ask you: Is the film's impact undercut by its inevitable happy ending? Yeah, maybe. We've seen the kind of non happy ending version of this, which is what unfriended. Uh, maybe some other ones that I'm thinking mm. I can't think of off the top of my head. I think overall, I mean, I think it's an enjoyable popcorn flick. I still think the original Searching was better, I think, was stronger than this. I think there's a little too much effort to try and keep you guessing, and there's a lot of twists that at some point start to strain credibility. But overall, I had a pretty much fun time watching it. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's exactly... <laughs> It, right? I think that it's, um, I think it's at times very effective. I think it's engaging. I think some of the reveals work very, very well. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of the other ones don't. Um, I think the big concern I have with it though, Matt, is that I think it kind of, it telegraphs its reveal almost immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that is a big issue I have with this film. Did you kind of pick up on that right away? Is that just me or? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you're kind of steeped in the kind of narrative beats of whether watching TV or, or film, um, I think you can see this twist coming pretty, pretty far away. I wasn't really surprised. I pretty much called it, I, you know, as we were going through this pretty early on in the film, but 
Mm-hmm. Maybe that undercuts it a little bit, but you know, I think if you don't see it coming, I think that could be you know a fun twist. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, as soon as they <laughs> kind of get into the car thing, right? I'm like, yeah. oh, that 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 that's definitely something, right? right? There's there's no way that that's not something the way they set that up, right? So I was a little disappointed with that, and it was just basically waiting for it to come back around, right? Mm-hmm. I think is. One of the, uh, I don't know if big weaknesses is the right term, but it's just, it really stood out to me. But I will say that a lot of the other stuff, the other other dodges and stuff along the way, I think were very effective. I think a lot of this movie, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it's a solid PG-13 thriller, right? right? And But they're inevitably, typically, especially in this universe, are going to have their, their happy endings. I right. think it's just inevitable. Right. You think they're too? The filmmakers are too chicken, too chicken ass to go to go something really dark. I don't know. I mean, but, uh, no, I don't think I don't think that's fair because that's mm-hmm. not the movie they're making, right? Mm-hmm. They're making a kind of what? How would you describe it? Just a, a family friendly kind of thriller. I honestly think that that's what we're doing here. Yeah, you know? I think it's. Yeah, I think you're. It's. I wouldn't know if it's family friendly, but I would say. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't watch it with an eight year old, right? Well, I mean, it's like a tween techno thriller is basically what this is right yeah 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 exactly it and i think that's 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 fine that works yeah but i'm saying you're not really going to get then that i mean you don't want the fun you know you don't want the mom to be found crunched up in a trunk or (laughs) or in a refrigerator a la kyle rayner there's a pull for people Mm -hmm. huh Mm -hmm. i wonder how many people get that reference yeah getting fridged uh or or you don't want it to turn into like hostile or something towards the end there and any any what you don't yeah you know, you don't. I, I don't want that. I right. think the film is fine the way it is. It's just, you know, and I think it holds up well. I think Storm Reed helps me buy into this whole mm-hmm. thing as well, right? She plays the uh, the daughter there trying to find her mom, June. And yeah. Nia Long plays the mom. And she's, you know, when she's there, she's yeah. fine. But what, what a big thing I was excited about was was uh, Joaquin Delamita. When he popped up, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was all excited. Like, I love this cat. I, if he'll always be like the bad guy, one of the main bad guys in Clear and Prison Danger to me. Right. Right? That's kind of where he sticks out to me. Yeah. But um, he's just one of those guys. So when you see him, I think you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I think it's a fun 110 minutes, you know? And I think that having that built-in knowledge that everything's likely going to work out fine is kind of maybe it works as a release a release valve mm-hmm. particularly if you're watching this with kind of younger audiences this is very when i say pg-13 matt i would say this is very much a pg-13 maybe 12 to 14 kind of range and it's thrills mm-hmm. and chills if i may you sure. know and <sighs> you don't have to let a lot go to enjoy this ride and maybe the final twist may not work but I think it's perfectly serviceable entertainment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's folding laundry movie stuff. So I think it does require you to pay attention because a lot of the action happens while she's doing her, you know, computer <laughs> sleuthing. And you want to kind of see all the little stuff that happens. Sure. So I guess you got to decide how much time are you willing to invest in an engaging kind of but unremarkable thriller? Yeah. Well, I guess 110 minutes. That's that's what it is. That's so much time. But for you. Yeah. Like for you, like is it, it, it? I mean, honestly, like I, I, I mean, I like searching better than this, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's not groundbreaking. I mean, we're starting to already get kind of the curse of diminishing returns. So we'll see what happens in the next entry in this. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm lost or something. I don't know. Like I, I guess, I, or somebody like gets their crypto wallet hacked and they sure. got to try and find out what happened. All the money type of yeah, thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that works. Crypto. Or, yeah, it's like yeah. Matt Damon gets his crypto wallet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How stupid do all those people look now. You gotta you think back. Like I know. I mean, I guess they're check cleared, so they don't really care. But right. still, right. just a. Uh, to weed your audience on for that kind of I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, the problem is, is that by the time everybody took started taking notice, it was already all it was already way way too late. I mean, <laughs> you have to kind of buy this stuff when it was you know, you know, a, a few fractions of a cent for a Bitcoin. Where it, but I mean, we all knew ahead of time. I, I knew you knew even before all this stuff started to break that it was all. Well, we're getting we're getting distracted here. I'm yeah. sorry. Your thoughts on missing? <laughs> missing. I think it's a fine popcorn flick. As Chris says, as far as the 
maybe increasingly inaccurate uh, first quarter doldrums go. I thought it was quite entertaining. It's going to be overshadowed quickly uh, by stuff coming up in the next uh, few weeks. But, you know, for now, for a if you want to kind of watch uh, an old school type story throwback with some modern trappings that are going to age very, very quickly, now's the time to watch it while it's still interesting. Yeah, no, that's true. And you know what, too? I forgot about that, even though, because we started to discount that a little bit. Yeah. The whole January doldrums type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's a perfectly serviceable, as I said, but unremarkable thriller. Uh, it's fine. Okay. You know, and I, I don't know. I think that's, I think a majority of the films we watch at this point, we've been doing this for, what, 10, 11 years now. Mostly, I think, what do you, what do you say, 70% of everything is it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Pretty much. Pretty much. Very rarely do we gush about something, or very rarely do we get angry about having wasted our time watching it. Right. Like, yeah. So yeah, I think this is a B minus film. It, whoa, me too. What a coincidence. That is crazy. That never happens. <laughs> write down it. Write that. Listen, wherever you're doing, wherever you are right now, folks. I don't know if you're on your Peloton or you're doing whatever it is. Write down the date and time you heard that, because Matt and I never. Not like it happened just last week. <laughs> Or the week before that. Right. I'm just going through it right now. And that's it. We have actually been very different before that. You know, like I'll say B plus, you'll say B. <laughs> yeah. All right. Old if you had a smart. chance to see Missing, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. It's currently playing in theaters, uh, even theaters that are spelled uh, with an R-E at the end Ooh, um, around you right now. Matt, coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday. First, I want to mention that song in the beginning. I just throw it in there. We're probably going to have to pull it because I have no <laughs> rights to use it. I just found it online. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it's by a group called Bumbag. Okay. And uh, they're on TikTok, Twitter, and all the like. And I guess they have a new sing- they have a single. They're, they're a new up-and-coming band. and mm-hmm. It's catchy and hilarious. And I loved it. So you can check them out at Bumbag. Spelled like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Matt, coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, January 31st. Enjoy. I've been listening to Distress Signal. And I, um... think I made a mistake in the translation. (sighs) Go on. I thought it said liberate me. Save me. But it's not me. It's liberate tutte me. Save yourself. And it gets worse. There. I think that says X in fairies. Save yourself from hell. Well, that sounds bad. Matt, Paul W.S. Anderson's big uh, sci-fi horror film, Event Horizon. The uh, cult favorite is getting its 4K release. Now, they did release a steelbook of this in August of last year. But this Mm -hmm. is the traditional standalone release in 4K. Uh, Scream Factor had put out a Blu-ray of this, I think, a year or so prior as well. And the issue they had, I guess, is supposedly this... this, uh, Mysterious isn't the right word. But there's this version of the movie, there's like an uncut version, a director's cut with some added gore and some additional scenes and stuff. But from what I understand, those scenes just don't exist anymore. They can't find them. They're gone. Gotcha. So there is no director's cut of Event Horizon available, unfortunately. Uh, I I will pick this up if it's at the right price, because I've never owned it on physical media. Yeah. No, that's a lie. I had it on DVD, I think. So, but yeah, if I I can get this for $10, maybe $12.99 in 4K... I think I'd pick up Event Horizon. I haven't watched it in a long time. What about you? Yeah, same. I think, um, I mean, I've caught bits and pieces of it on various channels on the weekend, but yeah, I think that's what I would go with. All right, we have a consensus. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead then, Matt, and start our countdown with, uh, well, I want to make sure I have a new clip in my countdown here, but it's not the right, I want to make sure I don't hit it, right? Because I don't want to hit this by accident. You dumb motherfucker! Oh, that's, the wrong, that's still the wrong one. I meant to do this one. All right, I'm waiting to use that one. I'm all excited that I got it. Anyway, number five. Number five. <laughs> Matt, Young Sherlock Holmes is being released in a steelbook. The uh, Barry Levinson film, which I remember liking a lot as a kid, but I have not seen it since. 
is being released on Blu-ray. Um, hopefully, though, there will be a traditional release probably in a year or so, maybe sooner. Because, again, as you all know, faithful listeners, uh, Uncle Chris is just not a big Steelbook guy. Mm. I'll pull the trigger if he has to. Like, I got the Clerks 3 because there's the only way to get it in 4K was to buy the Steelbook from Best Buy. And actually, it was reasonably priced. It was like 20 bucks. It wasn't some crazy $30 thing. So, mm-hmm. like, Limey. My Limey 4K. Only able to get it as a Steelbook. So, there you go, folks. All right, number four. Wait, no, I'm not supposed to announce it. You're supposed to hear it. What's the point? Again, I'm hitting the wrong column, Matt. This one's for you, though. Four. Criterion is releasing Bergman Island, the 2K Digital Master. An American filmmaking couple met retreat to the island for the summer to each write screenplays for their upcoming films in an act of pilgrimage to the place that inspired Bergman. As the summer and their screenplays advance, though, Matt, the lines between reality and fiction start to blur against the backdrop of the island's wild landscape. Number three. Three! Bones and All, a movie we did for the uh, show a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Luca Guardinia's, I know I'm getting that perfectly wrong, a uh, little th- romantic thriller horror film about a, a young couple who meet, fall in love, and like to eat people. It is uh, surprisingly effective as a horror film and as a kind of travel romantic drama as well. And I think well worth checking out. So you can pick up Bones and All as well. Then, of course, Matt, we cannot forget about... The two Utes. <laughs> to what? Oh, what was that word? We need to come up with a better two, Matt. Email us. Feedback at the first run. We need a two. Big Night, the uh, classic independent film featuring Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott... Um, actually directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott, featuring Tucci and Tony Shalhoub, all with driver Ian Holm, Isabella Rossellini, is being released on Blu-ray. I think it's been out of print for a while. So you can finally pick up Big Night on Blu-ray. And then finally, Matt. There can be only one. We're looking at the Michael Caine classic, the OG, The Italian Job, being released in 4K. Get a 4K restoration from the film from the OCN by Paramount Pictures. And they're including a Blu-ray as well. And there is a standalone Blu-ray included, Matt. Audio commentaries, 2002 documentary, a couple of them actually. And then deleted scenes as well. And then, Matt, some 4Ks being released. Um, if you waited, you didn't buy the Blu-ray, you are now officially going to be rewarded. Because Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, mm-hmm. 4K, is coming out. Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is being re-released in 4K. And then I teased it a little while ago, but um, From Beyond is 4K release from Vinegar Syndrome will officially be live for everybody on the 31st. Matt, your straight to DVD pick of the week. Speaking of Vinegar Syndrome, the, was it, it's 90s, right? I think it's early 90s. Classic air quotes, he said mockingly. <laughs> Sidekicks is being released in 4K. Mm. This is a Chuck Norris film featuring Bo Bridges and, of course, Joe Piscopo. Forced to contend with asthma, the class bully and psychotic gym teacher Barry Grabuski is finding life in middle school stressful, Matt. To cope, he escapes with his fantasies, all of which involve becoming Chuck Norris's sidekick. <laughs> but fantasy and reality begin to merge when the uncle of one of his instructors begins teaching Barry karate. Brand new 4K restoration of that one, a new audio commentary with a director and more. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So I caught up um, with a film on Shutter called Deadstream, which is by the. Oh, that? Well, I'm about to tell you. Um, okay. the, the it's by the same guys who did the Hell uh, documentary, the two documentary film makers that go to Hell at the end of VHS 99, and it's about a guy who's a typical terrible YouTuber personality who's trying to rehabilitate his image and get back his sponsors by spending the night in a haunted house. It is a cross between found footage and kind of a comedy horror. If you're a fan of the Evil Dead or found footage movies, this is actually surprisingly effective. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, don't know if it's necessarily super scary, but it does have its scary moments, and it is a lot of fun. It's available on Shut- Shutter or AMC Plus if you have it. Nice. Is it like a Jake Pauly type guy too? Somebody can really dig in and hate. Not quite that bad, but. Obviously a an annoying an annoying guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know which one I dislike more. Which one is the one that could really beat my ass? He's the one I like. Uh, I think I think that's Logan Paul. I'm pretty sure Logan? that's I'm pretty sure that's I, I honestly I don't even know. I'm not even Fair sure. Enough. Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna worry about it. Matt, um what else do we want to talk about? Is there anything else? Uh you wanna talk about the Oscars right sure. now a little bit? Sure, why not? So the nominations came out today. And first off, I want one thing I want to say I'm very excited about. 
is because I was going over in my head even before they made the announcement. Like, if she's not on here, she's going to be. I'm not even sure if I'll say she um, should win, but she should at least have been nominated. Mm. And that is Stephanie Zhu for um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm hmm. And I'm so glad that she's on there. I'm not quite sure why, no offense, Jamie Lee is in the category as well. Yeah, a little strange. But I'm not concerned that she's going to split the vote. I think that, I'm, I don't know. But that was a pleasant sight to see. And then Hong Chow for the whale, though I, mm. I lean more towards Hong Chow in the menu more than I do Hong Chow in the whale <laughs> because it's such a, I don't know, it's a more fun performance. Yeah. Tortilla. Uh, but yeah, so, but that was really exciting. I was happy about that. Uh, I want to see to Leslie because I keep reading Andrea Riseborough's performance in that is supposed to be like un, you know otherworldly good. Mm. So I want to check that out. I don't Matt just rolled his eyes for the uh, <laughs> listeners there, but uh, that's on my list to check out ahead of time. Michelle Williams and the Fablemans. I did not. That's probably my personal failing. I did not get that performance at all. Yeah. Um, Brian Tyree Henry is nominated for Causeway, a film I haven't seen, but. He still should have been nominated for um oh crap what was the uh film he made the uh he was in with cuz I loved him in it and I thought he should have been nominated for an academy award the uh follow up to uh Moonlight it's a movie that whenever I watch it it makes me cry that's why I have not watched it in, in like a year or two cuz it's so heartbreakingly beautiful if Bill Street could talk mm-hmm. so that one you know, I'm happy to see he should have been nominated for that. Uh, nice to see Paul Mescal nominated for uh, After Sun. I'm very happy that Brendan Fraser got his nomination for yep. Whale, yep. Whale as well. Colin Farrell. I didn't realize is this is really his first nomination for Banshees and Sharon. Really? At all? Ever? Or just in the that's lead what I read actor online? Wow. Maybe it's lead. I don't. That's what I thought I read. But a um, couple other things though. But let's let you talk a little bit, Matt. What really jumped out at you for the nominations today? Honestly, nothing really jumped out at me, um, to be quite honest with you. I wasn't surprised by 90% of this. I mean, I fully expect, you know, I expected Fablements to get as many nominated nominees, nominations as it did, um, even though I don't think they really deserve it. But it's a film about Hollywood, so of course mm-hmm. that's going to be on there. Um, you could say the same thing about Elvis. Elvis, I, I, though I yeah. haven't seen it, but, you know, again, the Academy loves their biopics, so there it is, um, yeah. right there with it. I'm a little surprised Way of Water got nominated for a Best Picture. I don't think it's as technically groundbreaking as the original Avatar was, but... Yeah, but it's, what, is it the number one or number two box office film of the year? I think that's why. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do more crowd-pleasing stuff. Gotcha. That's why Maverick's in there for Best Picture. Yeah, but at least Maverick was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, uh, seems not like the the strongest of 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 uh, years for us. I think I've seen most of these except for Women Talking, which I'm from seeing the previews. I I have no real desire to see it since it's a bunch of people like literally sitting around talking in a barn, which seems like wow, seems like a lot. <laughs> um, so yeah. I otherwise I, nothing really shocked me out of any of this. I was happy that some of the Triangle Sadness got some love. I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy that everything everywhere all at once. I think we were a little nervous that it was a little too mainstream, um, a little too weird, too little genre to be kind of as get as many nominees nominations as it did, and it did get quite a few. So I was happy about that. But otherwise, I mean, not really surprising based off the slate that we had. Yeah, I think it's a stronger year than last year. Mm. Um, but. Yeah, I, so I'm going to make an effort definitely to see Elvis, and it's on HBO Max, and I've yeah. wanted to see it for a while. So. Yeah. And I will check out Women Talking. I'll, I'll see both these ahead of the Oscars. Um, and then the other, I think, like, actress and supporting role, I mean, that is, for me, the toughest category to, to handicap, I think, right now. Because mm. I could go Chow Condon or Sao, uh, or Sue Sao. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure either. So, uh, but any one of them, and really Angela Bassett, sure. I mean, uh, man, that is tough. I really don't know at all. And another thing, too, you can probably figure out, Matt, that I'm deeply, deeply disappointed by. What's that? No Moon Age Daydream for documentary feature film. Oh, I, did, I completely skipped over that. I'm sorry. I don't know if maybe, 
they didn't feel it was documentary enough. I, I I don't know. Right. But I was very saddened by that, being the uh, massive Bowie fan that I am. So there's that. I definitely want to see EO, mm. which is, uh, I think it's Poland's submission yeah. for international feature film about yeah. the donkey and the good people that he meets and the bad people that the donkey meets. And, um, but it's supposed to be very much an adult film. Yeah. Not like, not like kinky Kelly, <laughs> but like an adult film, you know, it's not like a kid's movie because gotcha. it features an animal. Gotcha. So, uh, but yeah, so there's some interesting things in here that I, I want, I still want to check out. So there you go. I don't know. So we will be doing our Oscars preview show where we'll tell you, you know, who will win and who should win. Mm-hmm. And Matt will, and I will have to figure out what our wager is going to be this year. We'll do that mm-hmm. ahead of time. Are you going to watch this year? I, I still, I think I'm still a no. I'm not going to watch now. So you may think to yourselves, well, then why the hell would you guys even talk about this if you're not even going to watch it? Why would you waste my time and yours? I, it's it's content. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's on a still on interesting a high, to talk about on a high level. I'm curious to see who wins, but I don't want to watch the spectacle of it happening. Just tell me who right. won afterwards. Yeah, no, you know what? that's good. And then I can just be mad and upset the whole time. <laughs> I'm never going to get that parasite high back. I, I know I'm not. That was such a wonderful moment. So, I don't know. Like I said, we'll get more into that later, Matt. Let's keep rolling, though. Spend a few minutes and talk about the second film today that we're going to talk about for this show. And it's a little movie called The White Noise. Hey, what do you see out there? The radio said a tank car derailed, but I don't think it derailed from what I could see. What did I think you... it got rammed and something punched a hole in it. There's lots of smoke and I don't like the looks of it. What does it look like? You see fire engines, or...? They're all over the place. Only it looks to me like they're not getting too close. It must be pretty toxic or pretty explosive stuff. They won't come this way. How do you know? It just won't. The, the point is you shouldn't be standing on slippery ledges. It worries Baba. You think if you tell me it worries her, I'll feel guilty and not do it. But if you tell me it worries you, I'll do it all the time. Shut the window. Matt, white noise... Featuring uh, Michael Keaton, a 2005 horror film uh, feature. So what happens is he's able to catch these signals on his... Oh, did no, no. I watch the wrong movie? I think you did, yeah. We, are we having another Heartbreakers issue? <laughs> Matt, White Noise, currently available on Netflix. Noah Baumbach's latest film featuring his lovely wife, Greta Gerwig, uh, as well as Adam Driver and more Don Cheadle, mm-hmm. other, other people. To Matt, this was your choice, so you're going to do it. What the hell is White Noise all about? It's a good question. Basically, it's about a the family life of the Adam Driver who plays the professor who is the foremost expert in Hitler studies in uh, in, in a liberal arts, uh, I think it's Northeastern College, and just kind of the send-up of that. It's kind of really... It's hard to describe. There's there's a, a train accident. Um, there's a calamity. There's familial tragedies. And through it all, it's a very strange uh, vibe running throughout this whole thing. That's that's fair. I think that's a good assessment. I think it's... I don't know, Matt. I was watching this at some point. And I got really mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I don't, I don't like this thing at all. Mm. Uh, it's based on a novel. Have you read said novel? I did. So I did read the novel in college, and I really, really liked the novel. Um, I thought. So it was... What do you think of this adaptation? Sorry, go ahead. Mm, so, to be fair, it's it's a novel that I don't see how they could have. It was. It's one of those novels that is described as unfilmable, and I think there are parts of this that work pretty Clearly. well. But yeah, I think it falls short in most efforts in this. I was really kind of taken aback. Um, I know some of our podcast family on Twitter, like Binge Movies or Piecing It Together. They both really like this film a lot. Um, so I had a high lot. Hopes. Yeah. I think uh, Binge Movies gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Out of 10? Out of five. Ooh, and ooh. Uh, piecing it together yeah. gave it, I think, four and a half um, out of five. Five. Yeah. So not even six. I think Chris is being a little bit harsher on it than it deserves, <laughs> I, but I, I, um, yeah, it's not great. I think I think this material 
Don DeLillo is a one of those great American novelists that is not for everybody. Um, and I think this got way out of hand for Bombach. It's more than he could handle. Yeah, it's not consistently engaging, interesting, or funny enough, I think, to sustain its two-hour and 15-minute runtime. It's just mm-hmm. not. Yeah. I think there are parts of it that are funny and very clever. I like absurdist comedy. I like really weird kind of out-there stuff. But everything, it's just... <sighs> It's just too much. It's just it's it's a hat on a hat on a hat. It's surprisingly dark at times, and mm. I think that's when it works best. Yeah, and I mean, like the scene with Driver at the gas station, some mm-hmm. of the stuff with him and his wife. I mean, I I don't know. I like some of the absurdist stuff with him at the college as well when yeah. he's teaching. The whole fact that he created this Hitler studies course, I think I found was <laughs> hilarious. I really enjoyed that, and I'm I'm being a little hard on it. I did not dislike it as much as I'm kind of letting on, but I'm looking. I'm probably the issue too is I'm more focused on the retro, like what is it, mid to late '80s aesthetic. Right. Uh, I'm looking at the grimace McDonald's glass, the retro seal. I'm peak. I'm picking out. I'm Leonardo DiCaprio in the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> meme the whole time because right. this is my generation. This is where I grew up. Right. And that's what I'm frustrated with. It's all a bit too much. It's just over the line of absurd without being actually funny. Mm-hmm. Now I know it's hard to quantify what's funny because mm-hmm. everybody has a different sense of humor. Right. But still, it's just just a little bit just too much, a little yeah. over the top. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably part of the source material as well. I mean, it's uh, the novel really comes off as a kind of a uh, lot of uh, satire and jokes for like people who are kind of, I guess, sniffing their own farts. It's for people that are in like these these kind of academia areas that you know mm-hmm. kind of got a kick out of it, and I think. There are parts that are really, really good. I thought the whole airborne toxic event section was really good. I thought the ending in the hotel room was very, for a, for a bit there, was very unsettling. So I was kind of engaged yeah. with that. And I did weirdly love the kind of crosstalk that uh, Driver and Cheadle are doing while one's talking about Elvis and the other one's talking about Hitler. I mm-hmm. thought that was a, a very interesting uh, pitter-patter of dialogue that kind of weaved in and out of each other. And it was just so ludicrous. I could see, I could almost see that happening in a, in a college campus somewhere. Um, but uh, again, as Chris said, overall, it just... It doesn't work. What do you think about Driver's performance in this? I'm a big fan of his work. Yeah. If you want to see Adam Driver, like at his peak, I would recommend you watch um, Jarmusch's Patterson, Mm. which is a really sweet and touching film. That's interesting, Matt. I don't know. Because I feel like it's a little too winky Mm -hmm. at us and just a little too like fully engaged. I don't know if he... Like, I feel like he's a guy that knows the movie he's making and he's letting us know he knows the entire time. Right. Instead of kind of just riding with it and being, you know, this Professor Jack Gladney. He is, how do I, he's like impersonating him more than he's performing him, maybe mm-hmm. is how I feel it is. I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, it seemed like he was trying a little too hard. I think his yeah. affectations were a little disingenuine a little bit as we kind of progressed through it. And they kind of got grating. Uh, Gerwig, for her part, uh, she's kind of like a non-presence in this. She's very flat. I mean, maybe maybe intentionally, kind of with what's going I on. I think so. And I think she kind of comes alive. I think both of them do at the end of the film mm-hmm. with the hotel room and then mm-hmm. the scene after that. Mm-hmm. I think that is actually one of the more interesting parts of the whole movie is how that whole thing with her alleged drug addiction kind of wraps up. Yeah. I think was fascinating to watch. It's just like a lot of the stuff before it, there's just lots of, I think some of the stuff I read online too, it's just kind of just pretentious indie movie, Mm -hmm. nail navel gazing type Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a a fair amount of that in here. I think so. Yeah. Well, you know, it must be true if Chris is saying it because he, I'm usually the one saying that and not my friend, uh, Mr. Scalzo. But <laughs> I do my pretentious art works of art. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, this is, this really must be way beyond the pale for this. And I, I, I have to agree. There are sections of this that are quite good, but they don't, they don't really save this whole enterprise at all. I can't even recommend just watching it for those pieces of it. If you like white noise, the book like i did when i was 20 years old maybe you'll like this but i can't even recommend it from that perspective either 
Hmm. I'm kind of disappointed. I'm sorry, Chris. But we I did recommend Skinamarink, which you didn't like as much as I did, but you appreciated it, so that's something. I did. I absolutely <laughs> did. And maybe, you know what, bro? Maybe we just don't get it, man. Maybe yeah. we just don't get this movie. Maybe we don't. I've been vacillating C plus B minus Matt. And I wrote down B minus again, so I guess that's where I am. Where are you? Yeah. Weirdly, I'm kind of vacillating on those on that edge as well. I think I'm going to go with B minus, which indicates it, it. I liked it a lot better than what we just talked about. But yeah, B minus, B minus. Yeah. It's all relative. It is. It's funny because we're, yeah, yeah, no, I don't know what to tell you folks. B minus, wow. It's a B minus show all around. Hopefully the, this episode though will be at least like a B, B plus. Mm-hmm. I think so. But we'll see. Well, we got, we were, we're just a little over halfway through. We'll see how it goes. Let's not get ahead of our skis here. So uh, if you had a chance to see White Knights, which is currently uh, streaming on Netflix, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com, Matt, as if you didn't know. Matt, let's spend a few minutes then and uh, close out the big shoe and share. I really was surprised we hadn't done this before. I searched through the website and it didn't come up. Really? There's something wrong with our search too, I found out. The last few times I've done, I got to reach out to the old folks at Squarespace. Because when I do the first search in that little search bar, nothing comes up. And yeah. Then I hit it again, and then it comes up. Okay. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. I got to call up those jackholes. Say, what, what are you doing? Why are you breaking my site? <laughs> it's not like you're paying me to use it. So, yeah, no, we're going to share our five favorite indie comedies. And I apologize for how many of mine are how many of mine are layups. And one of them, I'm more thinking about it, the more I may be ashamed of it. So um, let's find out all about that next. Your belt. It's yellow. I had it made. It's for everyday use with casual clothing. Obviously, I chose yellow because I'm a yellow belt. I wanted to wear my yellow belt all the time, but I knew it would look strange. That really is a wonderful idea. To be honest, I wish I'd thought of it. Now I could be a yellow belt in everyday life, in addition to being one in this dojo. I mentioned before that I had it made. It was a special order. The thing is, the belt company wouldn't make just one. I had to make at least 50. The positive out of this is that I have enough for all the other students. I even had them make a black one for you. I think it turned out quite nice. My absolute favorite scene in a movie that made me... That scene particular... Made me laugh so hard I cried mm. when he hands it. I even had to make a black belt for you. <laughs> you know what? I I'm ashamed of myself. I completely forgot about the art of self defense. Yeah, Riley Stern's comedy from 2019. Uh, we didn't care as much for Duel, no. which is when they came out last year. Mm-hmm. Had its moments, but not consistently as engaging and funny and as interesting as the art of self defense. An honorable mention for me, and I guess it would be for Matt at this point, at mm-hmm. least. Yeah, Matt, I'll go first. I'll give you the ultimate number one, and this is where my shame comes in. Okay. So there's a little indie comedy that was they tried to get a theatrical release for it, didn't work out. Comedy Central ended up buying it instead and putting it out, and it was uh, produced by Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla. And I'd love to spend like three hours talking about what happened to Adam Carolla and if anything actually did ever happen to him, or if he's always been this kind of just an absolute asshole. Anyway, Windy City Heat. Have you ever seen it, Matt? Yes, I believe. I believe we watched it. I think for the show way back in the back in the day, or maybe we were just at your house, at your apartment, and we watched it. But I definitely watched it with you and Espo. Okay, well there you go. So I remember that movie made me laugh so hard I cried. In fact, most of the movies on this list have, right? But. So what they have is they have this guy who's kind of hanging around the comedy clubs and stuff. Mm. And Don Barris and um, oh, I'm forgetting the guy's actual real name. Tony. He was actually still works with Jimmy Kimmel to this day on his show. But he goes by um, Mole, Walter Molininsky. That's his character name in the movie. He's putting mm. on a character. And they basically film this movie like it's a documentary, but they're giving this guy, Perry Caravello, his big break. Mm-hmm. He's finally going to make a movie. He's always thought you should be a movie star. And the whole movie is just a gag on him. Mm-hmm. And they just keep putting him through worse and worse experiences while they're making this movie. 
Now, the problem is Caravello is like a piece of shit. He's just a horrible guy in yeah. real life as right. well. So looking back at it now in my old age, because well, I first discovered this movie probably in my early 20s, I think is when it came out, maybe mm-hmm. late 20s. I found it hilarious. But looking back now, I, I listened to the Big Three podcast that came out kind of after this as well, ran for years. I listened to a couple episodes like a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. This is like bad. <laughs> you know, and not just because they're taking advantage of him, because he, like I said, he's also a POS kind of guy. But I right. think he's clearly got some kind of mental deficiencies right. as well. Right. Not like whack pack Howard Stern bad. Yeah. But still not great. But still, it, I I don't know. I haven't watched it in a long time, so I don't know if I should pull it from the list. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, my and how much affection I had for it at the time, I have Windy City, Windy City Heat as my number five. Yeah, that's an interesting pick. I yeah. So Perry is a straight up asshole, but at the same time, I think you really do get this impression that he does. He's not all quite there from the mental faculty standpoint, and like yeah. he just doesn't get it. So that it feels like really mean spirited like he's a Mm -hmm. jerk but they're also punching down so hard that after a while it's kind of like when you sit it's funny in the moment but when you sit back and kind of think about it you're like huh i don't know if i should be laughing at this kind of thing i shouldn't be supporting this thing but i I get it i get it i get where you're coming from chris i do remember you talking about it a lot yeah and yeah, so, you know, Go Woke Chris would probably swap it out with Waiting for Guffman at this point. But even that movie now has some challenges. Really? I haven't seen it, it in so long, I don't even remember. Well, because the quirky St. Clair character, I think, mm. is a little right over the top in mm. his portrayal of, mm. you know. Right, right. The uh, gay choreographer, director thing. Mm. So, it's. I think if it came out today, there would be a little... Like Christopher Guest would get a little kind of side eyes uh, for his quirky St. Clair. Another movie that was my, I was vacillating again. I love that word so much. Back and forth between Guffman and Windy City Heat. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. What do you got? What's your five? All right. My number five um, kind of surprised me. It came out of uh, left field while I was putting this list together. Um, so this is uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Mm. Um, it's about two. You know, very friendly, jovial uh, young men who are happen to be living in a very rural area, fans of overalls and chewing tobacco and things like that. And they can't understand why these college kids that have come to their woods are trying to kill them and killing themselves and just, just being all kinds of horrible. Basically, it's it's a trope of taking the kind of killer redneck trope and flipping it on its head, whereas the college kids are clueless. They're the violent ones. Um, it's a lot of fun. I knew I was right on board with it when they first show up in the very first scene, when they pull up in the truck next to them, and Alan Tudyk is just, like, staring them down. <laughs> and I was like, this is fantastic. But then it cuts to them, and they're these, these completely, like, relatively nice, normal guys. It's It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. No, that is an honorable mention for me as well. That mm-hmm. is a great pick, Matt. So I appreciate you pulling it out there. Good one. So my number uh, four then, where are we? Four. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with What We Do in the Shadows. Mm. The uh, mockumentary vampire film, uh, Take a Waititi, Jermaine Clement. Um, I'm blanking on some of the other guys' names. But basically, it's a documentary. It's a, it's a, it's a mockumentary. Mm-hmm where they follow these vampires uh, kind of living in, con- in the current day and just the kind of little weird stuff that they run into in their everyday lives. Um, my favorite probably is one of the things where they run into the werewolves mm-hmm. is absolutely, I mean, the whole movie I think is hilarious from start to finish. And I really need to catch up with the show mm-hmm. because Matt Barry is on the show and yeah. I love him so much. You know, I first saw him on uh, Garth Marenghi, mm-hmm. right? Dark Place. So I've seen clips of him as well. You really are the most devious bastard in New York City. So I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that on Twitter. It's the way he pronounces stuff. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. So uh, what we do in the shadows is my number four. It is a pretty good show. You'll like it. Um, all right. So my number four then, talk about a layup, uh, is Napoleon Dynamite. Cultural force uh, brought Jamiroquai back, screaming back to the front, basically about a very odd uh, high school student who is decided he's going to help his friend Pedro run for class president. Um, you know, you, a vote for Pedro and all of your dreams will come true. All your wildest dreams will come true. Excuse me. It's, it's just, uh, it's a, just an 
eminently watchable and rewatchable film. Very quintessential early 2000s uh, kind of indie comedy. But it's it's really held up. I think it's still pretty good. My uh, number three then, Matt, is it, I haven't watched it in a very long time. Mm. And it was such a touchstone in my life when I first watched it. It really had a massive cultural impact on me. Mm-hmm. And that is Doug Liman's Swingers. Mm. Um, I just adored this film. I saw it at the Cinema City in Hartford. Mm-hmm. I went to go see it playing there. And I uh, was so, I have so many great memories of that little place. You know, when they knocked it down, I wanted to get like a little brick mm-hmm. of it or something like just to <laughs> keep, hold on to something. Because I had so many, I saw the Limey there. I saw Out of Sight there. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I saw Black Dynamite there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so many great movies. I saw Brick, I saw there. Ugh, so many great memories. So, anyway, though, Swingers is great. You have, um, what's his name? Vince Vaughn, John Favreau. And John Favreau, thank you. I think of John Forsyth. I'm like, that is clearly not correct. <laughs> John Favreau and Vince Vaughn, uh, obviously, before they blew up, this is the first thing they kind of did together. Favreau wrote it. And about just kind of what, t- early 20-somethings in uh, L.A. trying to make it as actors and then fall in love as well and hookup culture and then also the uh, just the retro... Um, swing? The swing music. Mm-hmm. Goddamn COVID brain. <laughs> the swing music revival was basically launched from this little independent comedy. Mm-hmm. And I got deep into all that. I bought the bowling shirts. I mean, I did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love that film to this day. I have not watched it. In probably five, ten years. Okay. So I'm, I don't know if it would still hold up, but it is still very near and dear to my heart. So Swingers is my number three. Uh, so Chris, I I hope I'm not breaking your heart here, but I never... I never really liked Swingers. I never really oh. got, I never really got the, the love for it. I had a lot of friends who really liked it, and I just was like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't think... I would be interested to see you go back and revisit it because I don't know if it does hold up. I don't even think it, it held up back then, to be quite honest with you. Oof. Is it because you just hate swing music? Is that the no, no, it wasn't even the swing. It just, <laughs> just the whole vibe of it was just seemed off to me. It just seemed very off to me. Hmm. All right, I'll have to. Add All that, to yeah. The list. Beautiful baby, you're so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm partly worried that, like, yeah. it's, you know, does it shift to the. Uh, the online kind of red pill stuff with the you know the milady yeah. with the hat kind of yeah. tip thing like yeah, that's I mean, what it's, I'm terrified it is now. Yeah, it's very smarmy. It's very smarmy and very clueless. You know, so oh boy, shit. All right, well, my number three is a fantastic film by one of my favorite sets of filmmakers. I think their most straight up uh, ludicrous comedy that anybody can enjoy. It's Raising Arizona by the Coens, where a, an ex con decides that uh you know he falls in love with his uh prison guard wife and they decide that they want a baby but they're having trouble so he decides the best thing to do is go steal a rich guy's baby <laughs> it is surreal and it's out there i kind of vacillated between this and lebowski but yeah. i ultimately went with arizona because i think it's the most pure comedy film that the coens have done yeah, I had both of those on my list, and I had Lebowski in my list at one point. Mm-hmm. But I felt like out after Blood Simple and then maybe Miller's Crossing, I, I, I feel like they just weren't really indie, indie filmmakers anymore. Mm. They were, I don't know, they were. I mean, they were just the Miramax darlings at that point who were just kind of... Yeah, but I mean, you got to remember, Miramax was still a pretty indie company back then. I think Raising Arizona yeah, still counts. I think, I think you're right about Lebowski. I think Lebowski was much more of a polished big bushed thing but you watch raising arizona now it looks still pretty rough and dirty yeah all right well, that's fine then so then i guess matt you may be surprised this is my number two and i kind of My number two, Matt, is Black Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Again, a movie that I laughed so hard I cried. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the final conclusion, the ending of that film, is as strong as the preceding like 70, 80 minutes. Yeah. But, dear God, just laughs per minute in the past like 30 years, I would be hard-fetched to come up with a better film, except maybe my number one. Mm. Uh, but Black Dynamite, it's, it's one of the inspirations for this show, mm-hmm. was watching that film. So... Yeah. Now, BD is my number two. If you have not seen Black Dynamite, I think it actually, 
I mean, the, when we're recording this, it's on iTunes now for like four dollars, mm. four or five bucks. So if you don't own it, or no, the Blu-ray on Amazon, it's like five ninety-nine or something like that. Okay. Just if you haven't seen it, just blind buy it. I swear to God, you're gonna love it. If not, as we always say, Matt will repay you. He will reimburse <laughs> you. I can afford four dollars. So there you go. But yeah, Black Dynamite, uh, just classic stuff. Man, I forgot about Black Dynamite too. That is a good one. I kind of wish I'd put it on my list. Anyway, just, but uh, if, and I should say for the un, uninitiated, so it's Michael J. White, right? And mm-hmm. he, he co-wrote the film and stars in it. And it's basically a kind of send off a comedy, a parody of the uh, black exploitation films mm-hmm. from the sixties and seventies. Yeah. And it hits all the, the Dolomites, you know, shat, all that stuff. It's pitch perfect. And why it works is because it, it doesn't make fun of it. It lovingly, you know, just points out the craziness of all this stuff, the outlandishness of it, and it just, you know, it's just a laugh per minute. So, sorry. All right, there you go, Matt. All right. Well, my number two was, uh, we haven't had a lot of overlap on this list, although I think we're going to have the same number one. But my number two is uh, what we do in the shadows. I don't have a whole lot to add with, with Chris, but I think what really sold this movie for me is that uh, Taiki Watiti's character, uh, he's having some problems, you know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, getting his food, talking to the ladies so that he can have it. So like when he brings the girl home and he's just chatting her up and he's like laying out the, the, the paper like on the floor and it doesn't, it doesn't even seem like she's even noticing what he's doing. And then he bites her and there's that huge geyser of blood that he's just getting everywhere. I thought that was the funniest shit I have seen. I was completely sold on that movie. That was fantastic. It's got so many good moments. Um, and the show is quite good as well. So what we do in the shadows, I think is, uh, was on Hulu for a long time, but it, it might, it might be gone at this point. I'm not sure. Ah, that's too bad. I ended up buying it actually on iTunes. It was like three ninety nine or four ninety nine, So nice. I, I just picked it up. So, all right, good, good times. My number one, then I, I, do we have the same number one? I'm well, we're about to find out, aren't we? Is it clerks? It is clerks. All it's right. the ultimate I- indie comedy film. Absolutely. Kevin Smith, you know what, uh, uh, maxing out all his credit cards to make the movie. They'd shoot it at night. Uh, and it is, and we did a whole season on screen run. The first season was all Kevin Smith movies. Mm-hmm. Revisited it again for the show there. And I was surprised, honestly, because I hadn't watched it in probably 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised how well that thing holds up. It is still hilarious Mm -hmm. i mean some of the maybe some untimely jokes now about certain things in the culture but still uh i I don't think that there is a malicious bone in kevin smith's body really with this kind of stuff and it is achingly funny and also very poignant and touching at times as well but really that develops more in clerks 2 and particularly in clerks 3 Mm -hmm. but that first film is just a machine gun fire of of comedy and raunchy disgusting at times humor that um you'll cry from laughing so mm-hmm. yeah quirks is my one yeah i don't know if i have a whole lot else to say i mean surprisingly it does hold up um, a lot better than a lot of older comedies do um especially the raunchy ones but uh like uh chris said it doesn't ever feel like it's punching down it doesn't ever feel like it's really mean-spirited i think overall it's a, it's it's just a really weirdly wholesome film that it shows that what just somebody who loves movies and has a passion to do it is able to put together. Yeah. And the, how do I put this? Not, the amateurness of it, the, mm-hmm. you know, indie first time vibe of it is so, it's so prevalent throughout the whole thing. Like yeah. some really just bad line deliveries and some stuttered, you know, dialogue <laughs> or that kind of stuff, but it just makes it that much more endearing. Mm-hmm. It really, cause these are just a couple of kids, yeah. you know, making this movie and it is wonderful. So, there you go, Matt. Any honorable mentions? So many. Yeah, same. Hot Rod, which I think is an underappreciated Still gem. haven't seen it. It's from the Lonely... Well, you like pop stars. So I you'll did. Like, you'll like Hot Rod, I think. Yeah, I have to... Yeah. Uh, best in Show. I think of, of those Christopher Guest ones, I think that's the one that holds up the best. Lebowski, Palm Springs, mm. Rushmore, Sing Street, mm-hmm. The Death of Stalin, Dazed and Confused, Hunt for the Wilder People, and Safety Not Guaranteed. Oh, I'd love to see Hunt for the Wilder People on your list, Matt. Mm. I love that little movie. So I want to see if I can get through this too. Stuff that Matt didn't mention. Uh, Doug Liman's Go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always really enjoyed the like, and I haven't seen that in a very long Me time. Uh, Natasha Leone in uh, But I'm a Cheerleader mm-hmm. is a great little one. I still, you know, I'm going to say I like Juno. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy Juno. Yeah. 
You said safety not guaranteed, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry to not bo- sorry to bother you. Yeah, from a few a years one. ago, yep. though it's crazy absurdist ending. You mentioned Rushmore and Sing Street. I'm so happy you mentioned Sing Street. <laughs> um, would election that would be an indie, right? Yeah, it, like an indie black comedy. Sure. All right. Uh, of course, Lady Bird mm. is. Uh, is that a comedy? Is that a comedy? I think so. I okay. laughed watching it. Okay. Five hundred days of summer. Mm-hmm. That has its comedic in the loop. You mentioned yeah. Death of Stalin, so I got yeah. the first one there in the loop. Uh, 24-Hour Party People, Michael mm. Winterbottom's film about the uh, story of Factory Records, which yeah. is like a drama, biography, kind of comedy, but uh, a great little film if you haven't seen it. Shiva Baby, I have that on here. Mm. I uh, rather enjoyed that one as well. The Trip, the, I, have, I have liked all the Trip films, so I haven't seen the most recent one. Okay. So I got to check out that most recent one. And uh, is that everything? Oh, you know what? Do you have a weird affection for that uh, crystal fairy and the magical cactus. Mm, I've um, never seen it. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, <laughs> but there's some stuff about it that I I, I enjoy. But I, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. So there you go. What's your favorite indie comedy? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun dot com. Matt, what's coming up next week on the big show? Uh, so we're catching up with uh, Infinity Pool, which was on both of our list of most anticipated of 2023. And then something I'm not sure what it is, but Young E? Yeah, it's the latest film. It's on Netflix by the guy who did Train to Busan. Oh, okay. It's a sci-fi actioner. Oh, thing. nice. Okay. Um, though we still have some stuff to catch up with. Like, I'm going to try and... Uh, squeeze and i still want to see the woman king though mm-hmm. um that got a lot of, that got snubbed out there mm-hmm. and then eo which i can't see i can't see anywhere yet and um i did finish um she said do we get better and no no <laughs> and i was really disappointed because i was really looking forward to that story yeah and if you like spotlight but you wanted to watch like the tv movie version of spotlight mm-hmm that's what she said is okay which is sad because it's it's well, i don't say it's not just as important a story because i don't think it is considering the impact of the uh, catholic church sexual abuse scandal but it's still a very important story that i think should be told and seen but I, it's just not great i don't think the script's terribly good the whole thing felt very muted and at no point do they really seem to get across i think the outrage they're trying to get across sure so I was a little disappointed with that one because I do love my uh, investigatory message films, and uh, this wasn't, yeah, not, this wasn't not, great. Great. not great. All right, well, I'm glad I didn't see it then. So Thank there you, you go, a little pocket review. There you go. <laughs> I was thinking about that too, Matt, for the site. Hmm. Call them first run sprints. Oh, get it because it's a yeah. short one. It's first run, but I it's fr- very clever. Yeah, Workshop like in that. Yeah. In the meantime, check us out at thefirstrun.com. You can see the report card, which is still not updated. I got to fire another intern, clearly. Especially since, Matt, we're going to have to do our best of at some point. Oh, I know. We're at that point now. We're getting close to February, which is when we release our best of. Yeah, usually that first or second <laughs> week of February. And uh, also, um, you can see what the letter grades, as we said, archive all the old shows and more. Uh, check out the first one on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first to run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people uh, find the show. And the latest episode of Screen Run, Matt, with you mm. as the guest as we discuss John Carpenter's masterpiece, The Thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a doozy, folks. You should go check it out. I'm there. So that just makes it one-third better. That's <laughs> easily maybe a little bit more so uh all right that's it folks we're gonna go ahead and take an extended break we got a longer stinger for you this week so uh buckle up but uh thanks for listening as always we love you very much take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon i'll catch my cousin now i'm gonna knock those boots again tonight Oh, look who it is, the fucking human vacuum. Scumbag, what are you doing? Not to say I saw Bob and his cousin. He's your cousin? Yeah, and he's from Russia, too. No way. What part of Russia? I don't fucking know. Do I look like his fucking biographer? Oh, what part of Russia are you from? Moscow. He only speaks Russian? Nah, he speaks some English, but he cannot speak good like we do. Is he staying here? Nah, he's moving to the big city this week. He wants to be a metal singer. No way. I swear, Olaf, metal. That's his fucking metal face. Olaf, girl, nice. Scarlet Neck.
That's fucked up, man. What did he say? I don't know, man, but this guy's a character. He really wants to play metal? Yeah, he's got his own band in Moscow. It's called Fuck Your Yankee Blue Jeans or something like that. That doesn't sound metal. You gotta hear him sing Olaf Berserker. Come on, man, Berserker. Is he singing English or Russian? In English. Come on, Berserker. Girls think sexy. I'll watch what he's gonna sing and watch. It's too funny. My love for you is like a truck berserker. Would you like some making fuck bells? Ah, ah. <laughs> That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? <laughs>